0: I'm stuck
1: in the 90s Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast dedicated to chronicling the years 1990 through to and including more or less 1999 depending on how we feel. My name's Chris Alfick. I'm a host. I am so
0: mad. I'm so goddamn upset that we are here right now
1: doing this. Yeah, fuck this podcast. I hate it. <laughs> okay, a little uh a little backstory if you're uh not following us on Facebook or any of the various social media. Today Stuck uh, Stuck in the 90s takes on a more literal meaning than usual, uh as we've reached a new mo- podcast milestone and we've lost a record. So, uh I don't even know how that happens. Like we
0: record we do the same thing every episode. We record, I stand up I go and I save it. And then, you know, we hang out for a while or I head back home or whatever. I'm pretty sure that we've lost this episode because our friend Rob was hustling us out of the house so we could all go bowling together.
1: Oh yeah, this is this is Rob's fault. This Rob- is Rob's fault. I don't think he listens anymore, but if he does in like a year from now, it's it'll be funny to hear about this.
0: And it was like, it was a long episode. We did the whole merch dino madness bracket
1: and it is gone. There are pairings that were savage yep uh so we're gonna have to redraw that all all again but you know what that's that's fun that was i had a lot of fun drawing that i did and i think it's gonna be fun too okay well before we do that
0: uh let's get into our sponsorship segment as this episode of stuck in the 90s is once again once more brought to you by the seinfeld slap bass oh man what a funky beat it's some seriously good slap bass that really just ties the 90s together in a short, sweet,
1: and funky ass tune. It is. Slap bass is probably one of the funkiest kind of sounds that you can make with a musical instrument, at least like a, a physical one. And there's something to be appreciated in how, in just a few slaps of those bass, those little bass strings on that bass guitar, you can make such magic happen. Maybe you're going from the New York Yan- Yankees office where George just pulled some shit, to the coffee shop, to Jerry's apartment, to Kramer's apartment, to Elaine's apartment. None of these people had houses, except George's parents. It's true. Do you know who we have to thank for
0: for the slap bass? Who? A funky ball of space tits that landed on Bootsy Collins' farm in the 70s. It's true. That's history. It's history. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, look up old Greg. Greg with two G's on the end. It's a skit by uh, the mighty Boosh. It is maybe the most unusual eight minutes you will spend in front of a computer. But it was very funny in 2006, I promise.
1: Yeah, this was, it was, it was, it was, was shit a long 10 time years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, once more, a big thank you to the slap bass and Seinfeld for really just tying together that decade with some funky ass shit.
0: That was not a very good impression. All right. Um, uh, let's move on to some nineties news now. Here we go. I like, I already feel a warm glow in my heart. Because I'm about to say three excellent words. Rush hour four. Don't stop until you get enough, and apparently, we haven't had enough rush hour. Recently, Chris Tucker confirmed that both he and Jackie Chan are working on the fourth installment of the beloved movie series. It's beloved, right?
1: it's yes it's beloved yeah it's up there with shanghai noon yeah
0: for sure it's definite it's happening this is going to be the one this is going to be the rush of all rushes jackie is ready and we want to do this so people don't ever forget it and these are words from chris tucker to espn podcast the plug
1: also i don't know if this is news at this point uh and i think this probably came up well over a month ago now yeah for sure yeah 2018 is going to be the final warp tour the Traveling Music Festival started in 1995, right in the thick of the 90s, and has been a staple of alternative music every summer since. I'm kind of bummed that I never made it out to a warp Tour at some point, because there were some lineups that I was really into. Yeah, true. And I'm not going to go this year. Uh, we originally wrote, unless they play the nostalgia card really hard, it's not going to happen. And our, uh, our requirements for the record were both Blink-182 and Sum-41.
0: And I only see Sum-41 on here.
1: Yeah. And they're only on like one date. Ugh. So all these things. And yeah, since we recorded the first time, the lineup has dropped. As expected, there's a lot of newer alternative bands, which I'm sure have their own appeal to the youths these days. But I This don't isn't know.
0: quite what we're looking for. Yeah. Like,
1: there's like maybe four things I'm interested in seeing.
0: I would go see, just for like shits and giggles, I'd go see Bowling for Soup
1: be fun for one maybe. song like 303 maybe 303 has, would be fun that yeah that would be fun if yeah. nothing else uh like i wouldn't mind seeing less than jake uh yeah, i've maybe. got a soft spot in my heart for some like 90s ska okay like taking back sunday yeah but see here's yeah. the thing all these ones in purple are limited date ones they're not for the entire festival so worst less than jake taking back sunday some 41 I don't think any of them overlap. So you'd have to go to at least three different warp Tours if you wanted to see oh, those gross. three bands. No one's
0: doing that. Well, warp Tour, we wish you a fond farewell. If any of you end up going, you know, let us know. Take some pictures. We are interested, but not enough to go ourselves.
1: Yeah. All right. Okay, we got some... We, yeah, this is going to be big. I apologize in advance for the rant that I've already done once. And I might be able to trim it down a little bit this time because I've already gone through this. Here comes. Yeah, so Reboot's back, or almost back. It's going to be premiering at the end of the month on Netflix. This is the reboot of the 90s CGI computer show Reboot. How about you get your thoughts out of the way first?
0: It looks fucking terrible, and I say that still having hope in my heart that it's not, but the trailer was more than uninspired. It was pure Canadian content. And that is definitely the problem, because there's some CanCon that we get away with that at least we enjoy, like the Red Green Show, or Corner Gas, or Air Fires, or This Hour is 22 Minutes. Like, there are some very hokey Canadian programs that we still can take joy in. I do not believe that Reboot is going down the path of being one of them. It just looks straight up bad. But it is also clearly meant for kids and the last time i checked we are closer to 30 than 13 so and you know months we're months away from 30 it's clearly not meant for us if we get anything from it it'll be the nostalgia factor it's it's just hard to judge because we are clearly not the target demographic
1: yeah and that's that's a big point of what i what i've been planning to say i don't think it's meant for us out of all these 90s reboot shows that aren't reboot Things like Fuller House, Girl Meets World, there's other ones. I haven't really watched any of them as much as I want to. Either I just haven't had the time, I haven't put forth the effort, or I just kind of get turned off last minute. I don't want to sully
0: the memory. That's a thing too, right? I guess that's a thing, yeah.
1: So yeah, I think I'm going to try to focus on some of the positives about it, but... Also, some of the stuff that kind of sucks too, I guess. So something that never quite sat right was back in 2002, Reboot ended on a cliffhanger, and that never got resolved. And I thought we were kind of hoping for something like that, and that's not what we've got. It's new, it's different, and like you said, it's a show for kids, and I guess that's okay. It's definitely got a Power Rangers vibe uh, to it for sure. Or like Beetleborgs or VR, VR Rangers. VR Troopers. VR Troopers, that's it. Which I think is on Netflix now. No I I way. I heard this yesterday. Oh, that's
0: not worth watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that might sully the it's slight terrible. positive memory I have. Of yeah. it. And, you know, that could get a new generation of kids into kind of a new Power Rangers thing, because I don't know how many people watch Power Rangers these days, like kids. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And another thing is, so like we were saying with Fuller House and girl meets world there are some callbacks to older things uh to the original series you know you had bob saget and dave coulier and stamos back for the opening of fuller house and in girl meets world like feeny came back yeah, and sean feeny. was in an episode yeah and eric and uh jack i think mo a good portion of the original cast gets involved at some point and maybe there'll be some callbacks to the original reboot and this is where i'm gonna get a little out on a limb so in the trailer the main villain in the real world is called the sorcerer pretty lame yep pretty terrible uh somehow he activates and unleashes megabyte but how does he have megabyte what if he is the original user from mainframe the one who you know that's his old computer he was the one playing games the actor portraying this guy was born in 71 which means he been in his mid-twenties during the events of reboot so maybe this is his computer that'd be kind of fucked up that'd be pretty good yeah yeah and my other hope is at the beginning or at the end of the first season you know there's some peril there's a cliffhanger you know that kind of shit that you usually get at the end of a season all the all the kids are in danger and then in swoops a mysterious figure clocks megabyte right in the kisser whatever and reveals himself to be like bob or enzo or something like that oh what if it's dot though it could be dot it could be dot everything kind of lines up for it to be dot because that be sort of
0: became the new bob yeah kind of.
1: but now it's dot's turn that would be like an old dot she's like the only survivor from mainframe or it's fong and he's full-blown mr miyagi he already was mr Mi- he would yeah, like that's true. how does he, he get more full full-on mr miyagi i don't know headband yeah i guess so I mean, we knew it wasn't going to be the same as soon as we heard it it wasn't going to be like just CGI when it was going to have real world people. Gross. You know, it's going to I, I might watch it or at the very least, I might put it on Netflix just to support Canadian content, like turn it on, walk away, let the episode play, let Netflix get their watch. And here's my hope. I just want the show to take place in Canada. Please. Like you were saying with Canadian content, there's a lot of hokey things, and this is probably going to be another one of them. But we can at least own that and be proud of it. Is it really going to alienate every American viewer if this show takes place in fucking made-up town BC or fictionalville Ontario instead of New York or California or Minnesota? I don't know. Degrassi took place in Toronto, and it was... It did pretty well outside of, uh, outside of Canada. You guys it, got Drake out of that. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, North American life, I don't think it's that different besides the fact that there's different fast food chains. Pretty much. We've got Pizza Pizza. You guys have Sonic. I, that's a trade I wish I could make. I don't like Pizza Pizza.
0: Yeah, it's not very good. I um, just alienated half the podcast base. I'm going to In-N-Out in May. Uh, and it is so the best jealous. thing in my life. I am so
1: jealous of that. Sorry, Talia. I love hamburgers, though. You'll be fine. Anyway, yeah, (laughs) we've we've had some Canadian shows that have done reasonably well here besides Degrassi, mostly kid shows. uh, Naturally Sadie and Life with Derek, both in the mid 2000s, like 2005, 2007 ish. They took place in Whitby and London and they did all right. And, you know, they are nice down to earth shows. And I feel like kids could probably relate to them, regardless if it's fucking Whitby Or if it's wherever the hell Lizzie McGuire was. They didn't even mention that.
0: Like, she didn't have a hometown. Don't fuck us on this one.
1: Yeah, take place somewhere. I don't care if it's BC. I don't care if it's Nova Scotia. Be downtown Toronto for all I care. Just be in Canada. And be proud of it. Because that's who you are. Okay
0: reboot we wait and we uh, are eager to get disappointed yeah uh moving march 30th on netflix oh god i don't know if i'll bring myself to watching it i'll probably watch episode one for five minutes yeah okay
1: march oh no skip down to this first and then okay make our way
0: back and now on to this week's spotlight let's talk about the original 1990s genie Before Robin Williams gave life to the amazing genie in Aladdin, before Shaq did whatever it is he did to become Kazam, and before Christina Aguilera's genie needed to be rubbed the right way, we had our own retail-available genie that would grant all of our wishes inside the Nintendo Entertainment System. That's right, the Game Genie. Released in 1990 for the Nintendo Entertainment System, henceforth known as NES, and not
1: NES. Never NES. NES is a character from Earthbound. That's correct. He's not a system.
0: The Game Genie was a pass-through device that attached between a cartridge and the console. It temporarily modified game data, allowing the player to cheat, manipulate various aspects of the games, and sometimes access unused assets and functions that weren't meant to be touched. Upon starting the console, the players presented with a menu that they can use to enter a series of characters referred to as a code that reference addresses on the ROM of the cartridge. Each code contains an integer value that's read by the system in place of data actually present, so it's it's tricking you. You're getting duped. Yeah, These codes have a variety of effects. Most published codes give the player some form of invulnerability, infinite ammunition, level skipping, or other mods that allow the player to be more powerful than originally intended by the developers. Uh, But in rare cases, codes could make the games more difficult or even unlock hidden features that developers had
1: scrapped and rendered unreachable in normal play. Yeah, like a level that got half finished and they just said, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. So the Game Genie sold with a booklet of codes, available for use with various games for the system. However, new codes continued to be developed as new games were released and new codes were discovered for existing games. So after the booklets were published, to address this, Galoob, the distributor, Created a paid subscription service where subscribers would receive quarterly code updates. Ooh, that's hard to say. That's very 90s. Yeah. So in addition, Galoob ran ads uh, in certain publications such as GamePro, which featured codes for newer games. That's... That's neat.
0: That's pretty cool. We think that the original Game Genie was very much like performance-enhancing drugs. They worked wonders at first, but would fuck you up in the long run. To quote Wikipedia here, the Game Genie attaches to the end of the NES cartridge, causing the cartridge to protrude from the console when fully inserted, making the depression impossible. Therefore, the Game Genie was designed in such a way that it did not need to be depressed in order to start the game. This design put even more stress on the lift socket than the standard game insertion, which actually led to bent pins and eventually caused the unit to be unplayable without the Game Genie present. And we had a friend who had experienced this, Stan. His Nintendo was entirely unplayable unless the Genie was in.
1: Yeah. And if that's not a drug metaphor, then I don't know what is. I think that Tales of the Game Genie, if told correctly, could have been a more effective means to deter youth from trying, like, drugs than all the dare and mad campaigns put together. Well, yeah, once or twice is fine and wouldn't fuck up your Nintendo, but, uh, you keep, you keep doing that. Yeah. You keep, you keep using it. It'll fall off. Yep. Not even, well, maybe once. Yeah.
0: Eventually, more Game Genies were made, uh, with devices released for the Super NES, Game Boy, the Sega Genesis, and the Game Gear. The SNES Game Genie was incompatible with certain games, such as Star Fox and the Super Mario RPG, uh, Legend of the Seven Stars, because those games used extra pins uh, over what most other Super NES games actually used at the time so there was no circuitry to accommodate those
1: pins so the physical design of the game boy version made it more difficult to use with any version besides the original game boy it could although be made to work Uh, so if one attempted to use the game genie on the game boy pocket or color you would find a large portion of the game genie would come in contact with the top of the game boy before it was fully inserted i think it's where the battery compartment sort of bent out. So it was placing strain on the mechanism and it wasn't, it wasn't a good time. Uh, there was also an adapter sold super game boy to game genie adapter, uh, allowing people to use the game genie with a super game boy, which was a cartridge that allowed you to play game boy games on the SNES
0: connector devices. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a spotlight or a sponsor or something in the future.
1: Yeah. Fucking multi taps.
0: Yeah. It's a very nineties thing. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular genie in a bottle definitely did not rub Nintendo the right way, as you can imagine. Nintendo sued Galoob in the case Galoob v. Nintendo claiming that the Game Genie created derivative works in violation of copyright law. Sales of the Game Genie initially stopped in the U.S., but not in Canada, because we had our shit together. Um, actually, though, in many gaming magazines of the time, Galoob placed Game Genie ads saying, Thank you, Canada. You're and welcome. He- and here you've been blaming us for low these many years. Yeah. However, after the courts found uh, the use of the Game Genie did not result in a derivative work, Nintendo could do absolutely nothing to stop the Game Genie from being sold in the US. Before the lawsuit was filed, and this is the really interesting part, Galoop offered to make the Game Genie an officially licensed Nintendo product, but they were turned down. They tried to offer other methods to thwart the Game Genie, including ROM checksums in later titles intended to detect cheat modifications. These measures were partially successful, uh, but some could be bypassed with additional codes. Later versions of the Game Genie had the ability to hide those modifications entirely.
1: Yep, that is a game of cat and mouse that is difficult to win. Now, Sega, on the other hand, was a full endorser of the Game Genie, with their official seal of approval. However, one of Sega's requirements for this was that the Game Genie wouldn't work with games that have a save feature, such as Phantasy Star or the Shining Force series. So on the Genesis slash Mega Drive, if you're in Europe, the Game Genie can function as a country converter uh, since cartridges are only region locked by the shape of the cartridge uh, and by a few bytes on the header of the ROM. So this could be used to play European games in North America, Japanese games in Europe. you, You get the point.
0: Yeah, that's pretty sweet. The Game Gear version of the Game Genie had a more complicated design than those for the other systems. When inserted into the cartridge slot, another slot would pop up to insert the Game Gear cartridge. It also had a compartment which contained, we shit you not, a book of codes. The codes were printed on sticky labels to put on the back of the Game Gear cartridge, so when entering those codes, the player could easily see what to type in rather than looking through
1: the book. So a neat thing is on the screen when a code is entered for the Game Gear Game Genie, a player typing the word dead would uh, would cause the screen to move up and down, possibly as an Easter egg, but we don't know.
0: In mid-1993, Codemasters began development on a Game Genie 2, with Gloob again to market and distribute the device in North America, but ultimately no Game Genie devices were released by the company uh, for the fifth generation of consoles. However, other companies have produced similar hacking devices, including Codebreaker and the one I'm most familiar with, GameShark. The Game GameGD brand was later revived by the company Hyperkin, who released cheat systems for newer consoles.
1: Which I have never seen. I haven't either. Yeah, I've only seen GameShark since then. I had a GameShark for the, I think a Game Boy Color GameShark at one point. Well, the truth is out there. I'm not sure how that ties into the X-Files, but maybe they had a game. Maybe. I'm sure they had a game at some point. But now
0: on to important business—the oh, most yeah. important business, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fans of all ages—the moment you've been waiting for: the March Dino Madness bracket drawing, twenty eighteen, and probably never again. Yeah, probably I, never again.
1: Probably not. But hey, we, if this is popular, we might do other matchups. There's other things we can pit against each other in a battle royale. Okay. Maybe. Why right, don't let's do this. Why
0: don't you draw the first half of the brackets, and I'll write them in. Alright, and then and we'll I'll draw switch. the I'll, yeah, I'll draw the other half.
1: Alright, so we have a, like a bunch of slips. Sixty four. Uh,
0: listen to that rustling.
1: Yeah, sixty-four slips containing all of our dinosaurs and things that are maybe not quite dinosaurs. We are gonna draw them. First is going to be against the second, third is gonna be against the fourth, and so on and so forth. Maybe we'll explain more later. Who knows? First up we have Ooh, we have the uh I can't even say this. The Dinosaur from Carnosaur. That's a B movie. Uh, from the mid 90s. That was also a viewer suggestion, so thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. He's going to be up against Grimlock from Transformers. Rest in peace. Ooh. Up next, we have Agumon, and by extension, Greymon, Metal Greymon, and War Greymon because he can digivolve. That's a tough matchup. He will be up against Stegs, the Extreme Dinosaur. This is a Street Shark spin off. Ooh, that's, yeah. Eesh all right up next oh we've got a buy so the next name i draw is going to have a first round buy. fran st clair the wife from dinosaurs gets a buy okay well that's nice yeah that's something okay then we've got ducky from the land before time he will be facing off isn't ducky a she she yes Okay. Ooh, the uh Dilophosaurus from Jurassic Park. This is the one that spits at Wayne Knight and uh you know kills him. That might be our first matchup. Like our first actual matchup. Yeah, it might be. non cakewalk. Um, that one, I don't know, but like the Dilophosaurus has already drawn blood. He took Wayne Knight down. Yeah, but and he take down Ducky? But Ducky's adorable. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, up next we've got the Mastodon. This is the Mastodon dinosaur. Very technically a dino. Yeah. Very technically. We're we're grasping at straws with that one. Yeah. And uh, he'll be against Petrie, also from The Land Before Time. Another strong matchup. Okay, where are we at? Ooh, we're Ooh, like almost we're halfway there. through that. Uh, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park is Come potentially going to slaughter. Oh, shit. Ooh. There it is. This is the first Battle of Kings. Oh, God. That's Dinobot. Oh, so
0: gross. Oh. I don't even want to on Dinobot
1: from that. Transformers. I don't want to think about it. Against the T-Rex. From Jurassic Park. Someone is going out too soon. Yeah. Okay. Charlene Saint Clair, uh, also from Dinosaurs, the TV show. She'll be up against Alex the Velociraptor from Tekken. Cool. Okay. What do we got here next? I folded these too much this time. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. Ooh, the blue Yoshi. Okay. Blue Yoshi will be up against Oh god. Reptar. <laughs> reptar from rugrats not all of these yoshis are gonna make it yeah Ooh, sharp tooth this is the t-rex the antagonist from the land before time who's he gonna be fighting the raptors Jesus. from jurassic park Ooh, this is this is get. i think this is going to be bloodier than our original drawing yeah this is i this don't is... remember so many titans i know i'm conf- i don't remember feeling this conflicted yep all right bj from barney the dinosaur i do not feel conflicted about whoever fucks up bj Theodore Rex, the genetically created dinosaur who teams up with Whoopi Goldberg to investigate a murder in the the, film Theodore Rex. Maybe the worst matchup in Uh, the entire bracket. I'm excited because Theodore Rex might make it to round two. That's true. (laughs) Ah, yes. The saber-toothed tiger. Also, uh, we're stretching the definition of dinosaur a little bit. Is going to be up against Rex from Dino City, an SNES game, not SNES. All right. The, the another, Dragon Zord. Another another potential final four yeah. contender. Ooh, it's up against BP Richfield. This is Earl St. Clair's boss from Dinosaurs. I think he will have a surprisingly strong showing. I'm putting it in there now. He's
0: so salty. Oh, we'll see.
1: Alright, uh Riptor the Velociraptor from Killer Instinct. Okay. He's gonna be facing up again. Killer
0: Instinct was so sweet.
1: The Toronto Raptor. Good luck, buddy. Yep, that's a tough one. Alright, coming in next. We've got the Beast Wars incarnation of Megatron, also a T-Rex, facing off against Dinosaur Jr., the band. Really? I was, maybe the worst entry in the entire competition. Nah. But, I mean, I was really looking forward to Dinosaur Jr. making it to round two. I think they're done. He might have been up against like Baby Bop or something when we uh, did the original record, ooh, and there was a chance, great. or he just got a buy. Yeah, they just got a buy. Okay, four more left until we're we're halfway right. through. Green Yoshi. Okay, this is the OG regular Yoshi. OG Yoshi up against Robbie Saint Clair. This is the eldest son from Dinosaurs. Oof. All right, last two in the first half. Yep, Tops from Dino City. Also, that's a an SNES game. Okay, versus ooh. The balsa wood dinosaur model from the dinosaurs Discover the giants of the prehistoric world magazine that was around in the 90s. Oh, those balsa wood dinosaurs. Even if you don't remember exactly what we're talking about,
0: uh, I think balsa wood dinosaurs is is good enough. You can figure it out.
1: Yeah, it was a mail-in kind of thing. All right, on to the second half.
0: Denver, the last dinosaur. Versus. That's super cheesy oh goodness uh the dinosaur gohan always runs away from uh when he's in in the wild and it cuts his tail off yeah that he was, one when he's training dino. for the
1: for the saiyans it was
0: a tough one and then we have uh sarah the triceratops from land before time
1: another strong contender
0: versus holy shit Ooh. earl Clair, the patriarch from dinosaurs that's got tough. that's a match yeah Next match, Baby Sinclair, the most hilarious and pan-wielding
1: Sinclair of them all. I mean, that's probably one of the most lethal ones we've seen. Versus the Triceratops Dinosord, Kimberly's Dinozord. No, that was Billy's. Oh shit, that was Billy's. Yeah, she had the pterodactyl.
0: You're right, she did have the pterodactyl. Where am I right now? I don't know. My mind's all over the place. I'm very excited about dinosaurs. Next, we have the Red Yoshi. Up against... 1998 Godzilla and in brackets fuck it half of these aren't dinosaurs anyways that's actually a yeah. tough matchup yeah it is next round Dino from the Flintstones and for our purposes the 90s version versus Littlefoot Ooh. holy shit from Land Before Time R.I.P. Dino one of the most nostalgic dinosaurs for me at least I, th- I agree okay here we go the big one Barney fuck Barney That's the official opinion of the podcast. Because he's up against Charmander. Barney's done. Yep. Which you,
1: you you can fuck
0: Barney. He's a tantric sex guru. Oh, that's not what I... Okay, well. You do you. Next round, Dweeb from We're Back. Versus... These are hard to open.
1: Bulbasaur. Okay. So I think we know how that one will end up too. Probably. I'm. I'm surprised. and if you disagree with any of our choices feel free to uh, like to share we're gonna make some kind of post about it share this get even non-podcast listeners to vote because dinosaurs are fun i mean otherwise it's just gonna be us next round is a buy oh okay a buy that comes for
0: someone that needs a buy probably t-bone the extreme dinosaur again from the street shark spinoff okay so at least we're making use of that buy the Tranosaurus dinosaur is number one in a matchup against... Ooh, Elsa from We're Back.
1: Okay, that's not going to go well for her. It will not. Unless so certainly... we've got some serious We're Back A Dinosaur Story fans.
0: I guess. All right. Oh, Reznor from Mario World. Okay. Versus Gross Baby Bop from Barney.
1: That's an easy one. That is an easy one.
0: Uh, Woog the Triceratops, and I believe last remaining character from We're Back. We really Possibly. had to stretch for, for some of these.
1: Oh, yeah speaking of which uh oh what, what is that rex oh, from right. toy
0: story that's not a stretch at all that yeah that's
1: i spoke too soon
0: uh next is the pterodactyl dinosaur which that? is kimberly's yes kimberly's dinosaur and then the voth from star trek voyager who R. honestly R. none of you may remember i yeah i feel like i watched that show and i barely remember them
1: yeah they were in one episode i think <laughs> here, here
0: we go Jar Jar Binks, yes, Gungans are not dinosaurs. This is basically a first round by. Unless, who's the other James oh, Brontosaurus, which is one of the names Robin Williams uses when playing with toys in Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: I eat wood. It tastes good. <laughs>
0: okay, Rex from We're Back, a dinosaur story. Okay. Versus.
1: No meat. Birdo from True. Mario 2. Birdo is a Yoshi knockoff and we all know it. I mean it pre pre dated Yoshi, but oh well, you know. But like in popularity. A perfect, oh yeah. It's like how uh or- aren't Oreos a knockoff of something else. Yeah. Hy- yeah. Hydrox? Yeah, Hydrox? but like I think Oreos aren't the knockoff. No, anymore. they're not. Right. Um okay, next is
0: Spike from Land Before Time. I believe the last Land Before Time dinosaur. Probably we've
1: got like three things left.
0: Yep. And then all of the dinosaurs from Turok. Not just, sure how that
1: one's gonna go. Just all of them. All right, we, these are our final two matchups. Who we got?
0: Our final, our final matchup. Yeah, Yellow Yoshi. All right, uh, up against Lizzie from Rampage World Tour. Fuck, that one's tough. I don't that know. Who, I don't even know who I think I want to vote for on that one. Like realistically, probably some Yoshis are gonna die. Probably some of the Sinclair family.
1: Oh yeah, are the, getting. Eaten. They're not getting out of this, and you know, as a family. Yeah, it's not gonna work out. At some point, I, I hope some of them face up against each other. That'd be fun. Yeah. So literally, yeah. not the mama. We're going to make some kind of some kind of thing. You can share it around, vote. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll get it on the internet. You'll find it. Yeah, um, and we'll have the first round next week. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, one one a week.
0: I can't believe we've done this whole fucking podcast again.
1: Yep. We are literally stuck in the 90s. As always, and just
0: like the last time we recorded this. You can find us online at StuckInThe90sPodcast.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at the 90 Podcast and Twitter at SIT90s. Life's been pretty hectic lately. We will get back to posting on social media. Shit's getting real over here, you guys. And that happens sometimes, and that's okay i don't think i have anything else to oh yeah if you want to be a ten dollar sponsor throw us 10 bucks or the equivalent value in tacos or perhaps
1: dinosaur toys that one we'll have to we'll have to talk about that yeah and you know um, what fuck it i'm throwing this out there buy votes if you want to oh yeah yeah you can buy votes for sure yeah we are wanna... not above that i mean we're, we're gonna disclose it we'll be transparent about it but yeah. if you're a ten dollar sponsor you've just decided at least for four of these brackets yeah you yeah. do you
0: uh so drop us a line at stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com and we will uh you know figure out how to get that done otherwise i don't think i have anything else left to say
1: nah we'll be back next week hopefully see you then but for now the, the podcast, podcast is, is now, now dinosaurs tacos. damn did we mention tacos